Hey there, I'm the Kentucky Guy, and thank you so much for listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Here at the Red Pill Current News Podcast, we strive on bringing you news that you won't find in the fake media every day. We also strive to bring you the truth, not only on politics, but the world news all around, including pop culture and so forth. As for myself, I worked in the private sector for around 25 years in the call center management and health insurance industry. Uh, Due to unforeseen circumstances and health issues, I was forced into early retirement last year. Now, a couple years ago, I noticed that something just wasn't sitting right with the way our country was being ran or being politicized as. So I started doing research, a lot of research. And that's why I'm able to now host this podcast. I've been on other shows as well, discussing my views. I'm also on social media. I'm on The Clapper, Rizzle, TikTok, Truth Social, Facebook, and many more. You can find me at the KY Guy, Kentucky Guy, KY Guy, or KY Guy 80. Different ones. Somebody had my name on other platforms, of course. <laughs> All right. So, yes, and I uh, do want to let you know that we do drop a new episode here every every Wednesday and Saturday. So be sure to uh, hit that follow or subscribe button. No matter where you're listening to, we are on all podcast platforms. All right. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. And again, God bless and God bless America. And welcome to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. I'm your host, the Kentucky Guy. And uh, how's everybody doing on this fantastic Wednesday? I can tell you what, it's rainy and very gloomy here in the great state of Kentucky. But nevertheless, we strive and we're above ground another day. Uh, So a couple of house cleaning tips before we get in today's episode. Uh, If this is your first time listening to us, no matter what platform you're on, Make sure that you hit that follow or subscribe button. We are on all major platforms, including Amazon Music. We do drop new episodes here every every Wednesday and Saturday. Also, for you wrestling fans, I do host Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast, and we do drop new episodes there every Monday and Friday. All right, enough about that. Also, if you ever want to be a guest on the show or have any questions or feedback, feel free to email us at ol. Kentucky spelled out OL Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. That's old Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. All right. So I'm very excited. We do have a special guest with us today. Uh, let's give a very warm welcome to uh, Mr. Jay Hellquist. He's a former Republican and now Democrat to the show. Jay, how are you doing, sir? Hey, doing good, Kentucky guy. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. So happy that you could join us today. And, uh, if you don't mind, Jay, before we get into everything, let's go ahead and if you could give us a little bit of background about yourself. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. I think uh, I think these kind of discussions are important. I think it's really uh, it's really interesting in this 
in our political climate, how often we spend most of our time talking to people that we agree with or who just, I don't really want to say agree with, but people who see things the same way we do. So uh, one, just want to commend you on, on doing a podcast where you're bringing on people who think differently than you. And I think that uh, as a country, if we were a little bit more like you, it, we'd be in a better spot. So, so thanks for having me. I, I appreciate that. And my feelings on that is uh, we can educate each other and learn from each other. And if we don't have an open conversation, how will we ever grow? That's my, yeah. that's beautiful. Um, but to answer your question a little bit about me, uh, I was actually, I live in Arizona right now. Um, so that rain and gloomy weather you're having, I'd, I'd love a little bit of that. Of that. I think it's going to be about 110 today with sunshine and mm-hmm. uh, it's always sunny and it's always hot. So <laughs> <laughs> your grass truly is always greener. I, I bet, uh, I bet that's true. So, um, <laughs> But I grew up in a neighboring state. I grew up in Utah in a little town called Linden. It's a suburb about 40 minutes south of Salt Lake City. So if you're if you're familiar with Utah, it's probably one of the most deeply conservative states in our country. Um, that happens for a lot of reasons. And I think one of the big reasons is that uh, it, the demographics have changed since I lived there. But growing up, for example, I went to a, a 4A high school, which was our, the second largest classification of high school. And there were, to, to my recollection, there were three people in my entire school that didn't share my religion. So, so culturally not maybe super diverse, but great people, great family principles. Uh, you can probably connect the dots. Utah, Mormon, that was the religion that uh, everybody around me was. So I grew up that way. Uh, L- Mormons or LDS people are, are very conservative. I'd, I had conservative parents, um, but they weren't they weren't very active politically. So I didn't get many of my political beliefs from then. Uh, I had an aunt who was very political. And so my earliest memories of politics were driving in the car or being at my aunt's house and on the radio during the day, she always had on Rush Limbaugh or the local KSL radio. So those were kind of my early um, advisors, I guess you'd say politically. It was like Rush Limbaugh, my aunt, Laura. Pretty- um, and then some, what's that? Rush Limbaugh, pretty good influences there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. In my yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know what though? I, I'll say this. I, I think that it's okay to say a person like Rush Limbaugh where my views might not match up with him. Um to a lot of people, he was really important. And to a lot of people, that was the only real education they had as far as pol- politics go. So sure he was biased, but I also think he you know, he's a smart man. He did a lot of good things for good people. So I'm not gonna harp. I'm not gonna harp on on Rush Limbaugh. So I I don't have a problem with that. But yeah, those were my early memories. So you can kind of see where my life might shape. Um, I went through high school not super political. Uh, nobody was because we all just. I mean, like primary season in Utah, we don't have ads on TV. Like maybe you'll see a sign up in somebody's yard every once in a while, but it it didn't. I never even saw a Democrat sign growing up that I can ever remember. I don't think I ever saw a Democrat commercial or a Democrat sign. So that like politics just wasn't very big because we all just kind of agreed. Um, I went on a Mormon mission when I was uh, 19 years old. That's where you go for two years, preach Mormonism. I I went to Spokane, Washington. I came home and I went to school. That's when I moved to Arizona. I came here to play soccer at a small school here. Uh, And then that's really when that was in 2007 and 2008. So pretty big times for our country politically. That was Obama versus McCain. Um, I was in Paul. I got into political science really early there. 
Um, I was on the conservative side. My class was pretty split, um, but I was I was a voracious reader. I got really into politics at that point. I read, you know, Ayn Rand. I read Let Freedom Ring. That was a Sean Hannity book that I think at the time to me was really important. 1984, George Orwell, uh, Fahrenheit 451, uh, Federal's Papers, Conscious of a Conservative, books like that. So that kind of my reading. Um, and at the time, I became really, really concerned about Obama, about socialized medicine, about um, socialism in general. Um, I think I shared a belief that a lot of people did that maybe he was just getting votes because he was a black guy. But all I knew about Chicago never being there is that it was a violent city. And so I'm like, why would we bring a guy from a violent city? So those were kind of my my thoughts. And then, uh, you know, I was vocal about it. I didn't get too involved until uh, about 2010. I started running for party office and I went back to Utah and I ran for party office. So I was a precinct chair, a state delegate. I was really, really active in the uh, Republican Party. My best friend was a was a um, political strategist, so I, I had a lot of people that I could talk to and get to know that way. Um, and then in 2012, that same friend called me and asked me if I could come help out on the Mitt Romney presidential campaign. So I was in Iowa um, running ground teams, which essentially is just like a get out the vote mechanism. We got out there, tried to get people to commit to voting. They'd let us know when and when when and where they'd vote and then we would just follow up and make sure people voted so obviously we didn't do didn't do a very good job we lost uh pretty pretty big to obama um but there was there was two things there that really stood out to me um well i'll leave that don't need to worry about that but that that's kind of me so that was my history with the republican party um the only thing when it changed for me was about 2015 um and that's about the time president trump came came in. Um, I was, I also studied business in college and we, we had a class where we could study business personalities. And I think it was 2013. I did a, my final paper was a research paper on, uh, president Trump who at the time, you know, wasn't, wasn't that political, but, um, so I had a lot, I had a lot of opinions on Donald Trump before he ran. And I would say a lot of those opinions I had of him were not very good. And so in 2015, um, as he became the party nominee, I didn't necessarily leave the party, but I left him. I didn't want to be associated with him. I voted third party. I voted for uh, uh, Gary Johnson on the libertarian ticket. Um, and then from, th from there, it really has just led me on a different road. I started engaging with different people. I started engaging with a lot more people on the left. Uh, and, and that was actually just because the people in my life um, who I had known forever, who were political, but not deeply political. We would disagree on candidates all the time. Um, a lot of them disagreed on Romney. I wasn't a huge Romney guy, but like there was a lot of, there was a lot of people who didn't like Mitt Romney, even when he ran, but they, they voted for him begrudgingly because he was on the Republican ticket. But this time was different because in, in 2015 and 2016, the people that I was used to talking to, they didn't say, oh, I have a, a difference of opinion on on Donald Trump. I lost friends and I lost family members who didn't, well, I didn't lose them, but they stopped talking to me for years simply because I said, here's my opinion on Donald Trump. I don't think he's a man of integrity and I don't want to vote for him. And that was really kind of what, what pushed me away from the Republican Party 
into a space now where I don't know if you would consider me a liberal or a leftist. Um, a, some of my views have changed. Some of my views are, views are still conservative, but I'm, I'm deeply troubled uh, by the shift and the tone that happened when President Trump took over. And in my opinion, I, I, view, I view that as a cult of personality. And I can explain that more as we get going as to why I think that. Um, it's tricky when you use the word cult or cult of personality. Um, I'm no longer Mormon. I would consider the Mormon church a cult. Um, but the nobody inside the Mormon church knows they're in the cult until they leave. And so I think it's really hard when you're in it to recognize if you're in a cult or not, but even more so it's harder to have the conversation because if I think you're in a cult and you think you don't, we're just stuck there, right? We we're never going to agree that I'm, if I say you're in a cult and you say you're not, we're not going to agree. So I've realized that conversation is not important and it's not important if it is a cult. I'm trying to learn how to have discussions with people who who are big fans, like I think you are, of, of President Trump and what he did um, and his agenda. And I'm trying to figure out a way that we can discuss things rationally and factually. So it doesn't matter at the end of the day if I like Trump or if you like Trump. What matters at the end of the day is we say, like, this is a fact. This is a fact. This isn't a fact. And we can have our different opinions, but we, we have to stop having opinions based on alternate facts. Today, as we talk, that that's something that you and I will be able to find common ground on is what is fact, what is opinion. And then from there, we're free to make our own opinions based on what the facts say. So now, I don't know if that's if, if that works for you for an introduction. That was a little long winded. No, no, no. I, I agree 100 um, percent. So let me uh, give you a little bit of my background. Uh, I am uh, actually took the opposite road <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> I was a I was raised a hardcore Democrat. I was. Uh, all, all my life. Uh, my, my philosophy that I was raised with was the Democrats are for the poor guy, the hardworking guy, and the Republicans are for the rich, right? Sure. And I was like that, and Obama came. Uh, funny you mentioned him. He came <laughs> his first term, and uh, I voted for him. I was like, yeah, you know, this, you know, change, we need to change. I knew that uh, Bush and Cheney were warmongers, you know, and, uh, you know, Obama seemed like this bright light. Well, it went on. And in 2011, um, I actually became a Republican. Uh, I seen what was happening uh, to this world. And I seen that these promises weren't true. We looked very weak to, uh, you know, the Middle East and Muslim Brotherhood and, and, and all that. And we can get into that later if you'd like. But uh, so around then, so in 2012, I did vote for Romney. I didn't care much for Romney. Uh, didn't think that he had a chance, but I still voted for him. And then in uh, around 20, 2015, 2014, somewhere in that area, uh, I considered myself no longer a part of the Republican Party, but as a conservative. Now, when Trump came down the escalator in 2015, I wasn't a Trump supporter. I wasn't huge on the guy. Um, I actually was thinking more of, believe it or not, uh, the uh, Ted Cruz uh, in a uh, Rubio, right? And yeah, I was a Rubio uh, guy myself. I was a, I, not much on Cruz, but I was a Rubio guy too. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I wasn't much on Trump. He got the nomination. I was like, okay, you know, um, Trump or Hillary. I mean, it was, it was no, no comparison to me, you know, I'm going with Trump. And, uh, once he got in there and I started seeing him. And like I said, we can, t we'll, we'll talk about facts and everything, 
but I started seeing him really wanting to put America first. I was like, here's, here's the guy, here it is. And once I got past all of the things that, you know, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax and the, and the, these Merler reports and so forth. Could, you know, could, was, we, could I ask you a question there real quick? Sure. Cause this is this, I think this is one of those things that politically speaking, and it's, it's important to get terms, right. Right. So when you say Russia hoax, cause I hear people say that, what, when you say it was a hoax, what, what are you saying is a hoax? Sure, absolutely. So we had the Democratic Party come out, Hillary was one of them, uh, saying that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election from her, said that he was giving her, uh, giving Russia intel information about her campaign. Well, can I, can I stop you real quick just sure. for clarification? Because I, I agree with you, but this is where it gets tricky. Um, I think when people argue politically, what, what we tend to do is we, we put on our own spin, right? And, and we add little things to make our story sound more compelling. So an example there is Hillary Clinton has never said Donald Trump stole the election from her. That was never said. Like those words weren't said. I have it, what on, was, have it on tape on interview, her saying that. Say, she said Donald Trump stole the election from me? She stole the, he stole the 26th. 16 election and i've also have her saying that uh donald trump he knows he's an illegitimate president yeah i know yeah she did say that she did say that but the only reason i the only reason i brought that up is is just to say like when we say these things when we go over the facts i just don't want to throw in stuff that like i think what her words were was that the 2016 election was not on the level so she said and and that's what i'm saying like i think you interpret it as her saying it was stolen but this stolen election phrase is really important because it, if you look at stolen election, the that was being floated in 2015, 2016, 2017, 18, 19, and 20. And the person saying stolen election was Trump. Now, the Democrats definitely accused Trump of working with Russia, and they definitely thought that the the campaign wasn't on the up and up. But it's it's a what they were accusing him of versus what he accuses them of is very different. Their, their accusation is that Trump allowed Russia to help spread disinformation. And he worked, and you know, they said that people on his team worked with Russia to spread disinformation, which caused people to either not vote or to vote for him instead of Hillary, where Trump's claim is more, they actually cheated and changed votes. So it's two different, th that's what I'm trying to say. It's two different arguments, right? Both of them are saying this person cheated, but what they're saying is different. Okay, so 20, uh, 2016, uh, January 6th, when they certified the elections, multiple Democratic states and senators stood up and said that Donald Trump stole the election. Did you see that? Again, they didn't say Donald Trump stole the election. <laughs> they objected to the election results. Like, the wording is important there. I, I will... Um, well, I don't have time to dig into my recordings now, but okay, we'll, we'll have to like agree. that. If you're standing up in Congress and you're objecting to the electors, you have to object on grounds. So you wouldn't have object. They wouldn't have stood up and said Donald Trump stole the election. In fact, the Republicans, when they have talked in Congress, they don't say that this election was stolen. They point to specific things. So if if they were objecting, they wouldn't have said he stole the election. They said we want to see the, like, we object to these electors. That's Max, what I'm saying. Maxine Walters stood up in Congress on January 6, 2016, and she said, 
this election was a fraud. Donald Trump stole this election, but she could not get a senator to sign off on her objection. Go, go back to church. I, I, oh, let's let's just pull it up then, because I think this is this is what's tricky about these podcasts is we have to and and I know it seems trivial that we're we're arguing about such a small thing, but this is this is I think what happens politically is that we uh, we often accuse our political opponents of doing something so that then when we're confronted with something our guys did, we're like, oh well, we both do it, right? We're both doing it. But again, like I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at Maxine Waters transcript and at no point in this transcript does it ever say Donald Trump stole the election like you can read the transcripts of these hearings you can watch them on YouTube it's just not what was said so that's what I'm saying like we have to be careful and I've listened to like I've listened to a lot of your podcasts now probably five of them and I think you do a really really good job like walking people through step by steps so that you paint the picture and you tell the story. I think more so than a lot of people who are much bigger than you. Like I'm like, how do they have a big podcast and you don't? But the the hard part is when we start adding things that aren't actually in the discussion. Because objecting to the results of an election that's not new. You know that that we saw that poll play out with Gore versus Bush, but they objected the right way, right? They go through the courts, the courts decide it. If they still need time by January 6th, people in Congress will say like, hey, look, we don't have this settled yet. So I'm objecting to these electors. That's that's the process by how you do this. So then the messaging becomes the difference. Like, what are you actually saying? And what Hillary Clinton was saying, and I think this we went back to the Russian hoax. I guess if we could agree with this, what Hillary Clinton is accusing Trump of is that he had people that worked for him that were working with Russia to spread disinformation. Can we agree that's like what she was accusing him of when we say Russia gate? Absolutely. That's the whole part of the, uh, okay. Of the, so, uh, it, so when you say it's a hoax then, so if we agree, that's what she's accusing him of, which part of it is a hoax then? Well, it's not true. It, which part? So, uh, he never worked with Russia. That came out to be true. Correct. Even the New but, York. Wait, but again, we just agreed that we didn't, she didn't accuse him of working with Russia. She accused people who worked with him of working with russia okay all right so let's move to the current election that just happened. Well, no i'm just wondering if we if we can agree if we can agree on that right she didn't say donald trump and vladimir putin are sitting there talking he she said and the accusations like if you look at the charging documents of the Mueller report they're saying our job is to investigate any connections between russia and the trump campaign in the foreign election so that's not saying necessarily trump or Putin, it's saying Russia and anybody who worked with the campaign, did they work with Russia? But we know that there are people that worked with Trump, and I agree probably with you that I don't think Trump knew this was happening, but there are people who worked within the Trump organization who absolutely were working with Russia to spread dis- disinformation. Like we know that that's a fact. There's been people that were charged, there were people about it. These are all open documents. Like there were people working with Russia. I just don't think you can tie it back directly to Trump. So when we say it's a hoax, I, I feel like we have to be clear on it that it wasn't a hoax that there were people trying to influence the election. The hoax would be anybody saying Donald Trump was responsible for people meddling with the election because the FBI has come out under Donald Trump and Donald Trump has said, yes, there was foreign election 
uh, interference. You mentioned it on your podcast yesterday that I listened to yesterday. You mentioned when he put up that, uh, I think it was 2018, he had an executive order to um, research foreign election interference into campaigns. I think it was 2018. Right. right. Yep. Okay. So we, so we all know that there was, and, and then his people came out and said, yes, there was foreign interference. So this is one of those things that divides us when really we're not that divided because I, on the liberal side, I would never say that was a hoax, but I would say there was never any evidence presented that Donald Trump was responsible for that. And, and I think that's where political messaging gets us screwed up. And that's how we wind up divided onto one side because one side saying he's guilty. The other side saying, no, it's all a hoax, but neither one of those opinions are correct because mm -hmm. it wasn't a hoax but donald trump wasn't guilty right so here's a quote from hillary clinton sure. uh this is quote uh there's just a lot that i think will be revealed history will discover the democratic party 2016 presidential nominee continued but you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigans and stuff going on and not come away with an idea like whoa something's not right here that was the deep sense of the unease, Hillary said. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. was wrong, by the way. She was wrong about that. She said she thought things would come out that showed, like, because it, it was surprising to a lot of people. I think there was a, a lot of people. You probably weren't one of the people that was surprised by Trump winning, but there were tons of people surprised. And I think she was, too, because if you look at how these campaigns work, you've got people in your ear saying, here's the polls, here's the polls. So going up to the election, she's like, oh, I'm going to win. I'm gonna... And so when she loses and then they're like, oh, you got three million more votes. Uh, I, I do think I think that was sour grapes of her saying, like, I think something's going to come out later. And she was wrong. No, all that came out later is that uh, mostly what came out is that people really don't like Hillary Clinton. <laughs> that's that's mostly what the data told us is that nobody likes Hillary Clinton, not even her own party. So now, now did you get a chance to watch the. Uh... Durham trial against Sessman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause some, some, some things did come out, right. Only on the other end. As far as like election interference. Uh, uh, absolutely. On the, which, uh, which specifically uh, are you talking about? Well, uh, you had, um, uh, let's see. I, I don't really like to talk unless I had the, uh, my information in front of me. Give me just a second. Uh, during that trial, uh, you had a lot of things come up that didn't paint Hillary's campaign managers in a good light. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. But that wasn't like necessarily election interference. That was Hillary has scummy people around her. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess you could say that. Yeah. And, and a lot of people would conclude that like, Hey, you are the party that you keep. So that's a fair conclusion to be like, Hey, if you got that many scummy people around you, you're probably scummy. Right. I think that's a fair conclusion. Yeah. No, I don't think I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say that the 2016 election and and subsequently the 2020 election, I don't, I don't think any of that ever made Hillary look good. I, I think she tried desperately to uh, reconstruct a narrative and to rehabilitate her image, but she's just like no every nobody believes her anymore. Just nobody believes that lady anymore. She's nobody thinks she stands for anything. So. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. When stuff comes out about Hi Hillary Clinton, I'm, I'm rarely surprised. So let's, uh, let's talk about the 2020 election here. Sure. Uh, yeah. What is, uh, what's your, so do you think that Joe Biden got 80 million votes? 
Yes. You really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Um, would you care do you to? It, do you think it's a? Do you think it's a bit a bit dismissive to laugh when people say that? I do. I do, and I I think it's funny that that people believe that he got eight more votes than Barack Obama. Now I'm not trying to be rude or anything. Trust me. It's just that I find it very funny because, uh, I mean, come on, man. The guy never left his basement. Uh, I, I mean, let, let's let's just be real. Okay. I was watching sure. the election election night like I always do, watching it all. I watched the numbers that Trump were ahead by, and in my mind, I was like, "What's well, over?" He was leading by so much; it's over. I saw Trump's numbers and actually lose votes, lose votes. Now, if Joe would have got more than the votes that he already had, that'd be different. But I watched him lose votes, and I was like, "Whoa, something's wrong here." So I changed. I started channel surfing. And everywhere I went, it was the same outcome. Yes, I believe that there was major. Can I, can I ask you a question about that? Because I, sure. I think that this is one of those instances where, unfortunately, people don't understand how elections work. Now, I worked on elections for a long time. The numbers that you are seeing on television are exit poll numbers. Those numbers come from people leaving the election and they get poll numbers saying, who did you vote for? And how are you, how are you registered to vote? And who did you vote for? And then they take those numbers and they average that out and they say this percentage, let's say this percentage of Democrats are voting for Joe Biden. This percentage of Republicans are voting for Donald Trump. This percentage of independents are voting for Donald Trump. This percentage of independents are voting for and so so forth. Then they take that number and they multiply it and they estimate the amount of votes that each candidate has. The actual voting, the vote counting doesn't happen that night. So any votes that were changed on TV are completely irrelevant. Those are just guesses. Those are guesses by the networks saying, this is how many votes we think they're going to get. That's how you can call a race that's like 3% complete. Like in Utah, basically when the polls close, they call the election. They know who's going to win in Utah because they already know who, like which Republicans in a Republican county are going to beat a Democrat who's going to get 500 votes. So the way that election night works, I think people misunderstand what happens on election night, and they're using those instances as reasons to explain why their person lost. But those aren't relevant. Those numbers aren't relevant. Right. Those are just guesses. So, my, so when you, my so, question, oh, go ahead. My question is, um, I've been watching uh, elections for 30 years, and this is the first time I've ever seen this happen. Why? Oh, no, that happens every election. <laughs> it, li it literally does i mean those numbers change every election we've had elections before where a state was called in 2000 uh in 2000 with bush versus gore they called florida and then they reversed it yep I this it, it's not it's not unheard of to call a state and reverse it and the reason they reversed it is because then as the votes came in they saw oh no our exit polling was wrong we can't call this but but again that's just them calling an election is the only difference between them calling an election and you and I calling an election is the number of people watching them. If they say Florida was won by Donald Trump, that, that has no bearing. The, the, it still has to be certified in the state. The state has to go count the votes, certify the votes, and send it on. This is just TV stuff. This is make-believe. This is guessing. And, and all these numbers, if you're going to talk about a stolen election, 
none of the data you're using should be what happened on TV that night because that's that's just theater. It's not real. Have you watched any of the uh, evidence from Mike Lindell or any of that stuff? I have. I've uh, probably all of it. I've watched 2000 Mules three times. I've probably I've watched uh, all of Mike Lindell's symposiums. And and uh, I have to say, I have not. Here's what's tricky. Um, Do you know what a gish gallop is? I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I were to say the election wasn't stolen to most Republicans, they are going to gish gallop me like kind of what you've just done. You've and you didn't gish gallop because you went one by one, but they would gish gallop that all together. They would say, well, what about election night? Why did those numbers change? Joe Biden was was uh, not like he was in a basement, like all of those things, when we break them down, are irrelevant to what the actual data says. So there's lots of there's lots of people who are very convincing who can say like they can cast doubt. But let me let me offer this is going to be long winded, but let me just offer one thing that you brought up that is just so clearly a, a nonsensical argument by some people. They say Joe Biden couldn't draw a crowd. Donald Trump had thousands of people at his rallies. Well, Joe Biden didn't allow people to come to his rallies. So it's like me saying, not having a party, you have a party at your house and you have 50 people. And I didn't have a party at my house and talks to my friends on zoom or just like, or just sat at home. And you're like, well, you don't have any friends because you didn't have any people show up to your party. And I say, I didn't have a party. And you're like, well, there you go. That evidence doesn't mean anything because Donald Trump was going to states specifically that were open, that would allow him to hold rallies. And he was holding these huge rallies because he's very popular. Joe Biden, who thought that you shouldn't hold rallies and you should follow CDC guidelines, didn't hold rallies. So that's not, that's again, that's not a number that matters. When, when I look at, was the election stolen? I look at the numbers that matter. So I break down the I would look at the actual votes, how people actually voted, and then I would look at the accusations against those vote totals, things like Dominion switching votes or things like the the suitcase full of votes in Georgia, uh, things like a truck of votes being brought in in the middle of the night. I would look at those and then I would say, okay, is there evidence supporting those claims that's more than just a st- an anecdote. Like, can you prove any of those claims? And what we found is that not one single time in court did they prove any of those claims. And in many instances, in almost all instances, Donald Trump's lawyers came to court and the judge said, I see that you have these affidavits. You have thousands and thousands of affidavits of people saying what they saw. Is that correct? The lawyers would say, yes, that's correct. He said, can you substantiate the claims in any of those affidavits? The answer was always no. And that's why they lost. And that's why they went, they didn't win a single court case because they didn't have any data to prove any of this, not one ounce of data. And if, and now we're finding out that literally every single person around Donald Trump, his son, his daughter, his chief of staff, the Attorney General Will Bar- uh, Bill Barr, the heads of every major department set, told him to his face, you lost. You did not win this election. There is no evidence of voter fraud. And he just refused to listen to any of them. 
That's all on tape. Every single person around him that has been willing to be interviewed. So we're, and, and now you've got Mark Meadows under subpoena. He's going to have to be interviewed. Every single person says it wasn't stolen. So I'm wondering how there are still so many people in this country who think that it was stolen when everybody that was there agrees it wasn't stolen and they would have better evidence than us. And every court case that got brought to, to them lost. The only evidence that there is that it was stolen is anecdotal. Things like saying, oh, well, uh, Joe Biden's not popular. How could he be more popular than Obama? My answer to that is that the most watched uh, programs on television, things like The Bachelor, right? Uh, even even uh, any reality TV, any drama, people tune in to characters that they despise. They can't tune in to watch things that they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. Hate is a much more motivating factor for most people than like. No, some people liked Joe Biden. A lot of people hated Donald Trump. And that's why if you look at Pennsylvania and Georgia and Arizona, the margins that he lost by were largely Republicans who voted against him. So Republicans. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Or we get sorry. That was long winded. I apologize. That was very long winded. Thanks for uh, sitting through that. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Um, So one thing about it is uh, these court cases. If were not dismissed due to lack of evidence, these court cases were dismissed to standing standing. That's not not true. So some of the courses, court cases were dismissed for lack of standing. Some of the court cases were dismissed because there was no evidence. Right. They, both both cases are true, but don't the argument can't be that they were all thrown out by standing. But standing also it matters. If you're if you're saying that this is a this president and his legal team are brilliant, if they're walking into a courtroom, they should know before they got there that they have no standing. That's an easy thing that like nobody even argues that there wasn't standing there. They should have known that. It, it, there was no defense. They just wanted to keep having court cases in my, this is my opinion. I think the reason they kept going to court is so that President Trump could continue to raise money. And he raised 250 billion his voters and zero dollars went to, def- to support his defense. It was called a January 6th defense fund and zero dollars went to his defense. Some of it went to political action committees. Some of it went to Donald Trump himself to reimburse stays at the hotels. Some of it went to Mark. Uh, I, th- I don't remember whose pack it was, if it was Mark Meadows or Devin Nunes. None of that money that he raised went to defending court cases, which tells me he didn't have a case. He was just fundraising. OK, so and I think that the 2020 election, I, I don't feel it's over and I think everything will come out. What and- makes you feel like it's not over? Oh, I don't feel it's the, have you listened to my devolution series? Yeah. That's why it's not over. Do you feel, I have to ask this and then we need to take sure. a, a quick break for our sponsor. Do you feel that Biden is a good American president? No. Okay. All right. So do you think he's compromised by China? No. Really? I think he's, I think he's compromised by age. Um, I think he's compromised by a, a d- disability, which I think is unfortunate that, you know, he has a stutter. He has a, that's a legitimate disability. And I do think it's unfortunate um, that people use his disability sometimes as a way to mock him. 
sometimes he says really dumb things as because he loses his train of thought and sometimes he just stutters um i i have a different view on the president uh i am i'm pretty like if, if we look at the constitution the powers of the president are not or the i guess the role of the president is really not that great the role of the president is that he gets to sign bills that other people write he gets to make appointments um all over the world so he you know for ambassadors and he's supposed to appoint people that represent us as a country and he's supposed to represent us as a country to other foreign leaders and he's the commander of the military right. so when i look at the president and i'm judging the president that's all i'm judging him on so if i were to judge president biden on those things i would say uh some of his appointments are very bad some of his appointments i really like some of them i could care less about uh, I think for the most part, I'm I'm not a big fan of what's happening in Ukraine, although I think it's complicated and I think it's very difficult um, for an 80 year old man to understand the nuances and the ins and outs. I, I would much rather have a younger, more spry man because I think military um, advisors generally are going to advise that we use the military. So I think a lot of times presidents get swayed into military action. And I don't know if that's what happened in this case, but if you're going to sway somebody, it's probably pretty easy to sway Joe Biden. He's 80 years old and not all there. Um, but I do think that despite what people say, I know that the the MAGA or America First movement, however they want to say it, they say that, you know, I, we were embarrassed around the world. I, I can tell you that most world leaders w prefer Joe Biden over Trump. And I don't know if that's good or bad, because I think it's possible some of those world leaders just think they can take advantage of him. But ultimately, when you have a president who is openly trying to work with other countries across the world, as as he is, instead of bad mouthing our allies, which Trump did, and, you, and we could we probably have a difference of opinion on what's the better role. For me, I would prefer that my president reach out and get along with people and have a good working relationship. So all the other stuff, like if we're going to talk about inflation, if we're going to talk about you know the anything, I, I just don't think the president has that much to do with it. Uh, otherwise otherwise our economy would look completely different so you, you don't think that trump had a good relationship with other world leaders i think he had a good relationship with some world leaders but i think that most of our allies really didn't like him and i think that that's pretty that's pretty clear like boris johnson was kind of his his one person of our allies that that really really liked him for most of the part the, the other people kind of thought he said some crazy things and i would tend to agree that some of the things he says are are a little crazy yeah, um, he was uh, he's pretty close to Putin uh, and uh, China's leaders until COVID and uh, also uh, the guy in North Korea, Kim Jong-un. But uh, yeah, I, so I, I would I would argue he's not okay. Kim Jong-un and he met and Kim Jong-un and he agreed to a treaty. And six months later, Kim Jong-un ignored that entire treaty and just did what he wanted anyways. And they stopped talking. If you look at Putin and Trump, they did get together. And what we know about Putin is that Putin was trying to help have us help him with a red notice case. There's a man that, that used to be a U.S. national that's now a London national named Bill Browder, who uncovered a lot of corruption in Russia. He was an investor. Uh, he has been being protected by us, the allies and other countries. And Putin wanted him back. Uh, Putin wanted to trade him for information. And Putin uh stood there and told Trump he did not interfere with our election. And Trump said, I, I believe him. And they asked him, do you believe him over your own intelligence? And he said, I don't see a reason why I wouldn't. 
So I look at Putin as Putin attempted, like he, I don't think Putin has a good relationship with anybody. I think he attempts to manipulate people. And in this instance, he thought he was going to be able to work with Trump on this. And ultimately, I don't think Trump fell for it, but I don't think they had a good relationship. I just think they sat down and talked. And, right. and China, same story. The, these leaders, these other leaders, they don't care about, they don't care about a relationship with anybody. They just want to get whatever they can get. So to me, it's far more important that our allies, we have good relationships with so we can strong, uh, build strong coalitions so that we can stand up against people like Russia and China and we can do it together. And if you have multiple countries issuing economic sanctions and speaking out against atrocities of China and Russia, it has far more power than just one country kind of doing it alone even as powerful as our country is as America. But so I take a break of sponsor. Our sponsor is anchor. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or if you already podcast, here's the place back with Jay and uh, we'll finish this conversation. Thank you guys. For tuning in. Hey guys, have you heard about anchor by Spotify? It's the best and easiest way I've found to start a new podcast. Everything is right there. At Anchor, I can not only record my podcast, I can add music, I can add sounds, and much more. Also, I can trim and crop my podcast as well, all in one place, right there on my iPhone or computer. On Anchor, as a host, you can distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Everything is in one place. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Best part of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app today, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Aha! All right, and welcome back. Thank you so much for anchoring and sponsoring uh, this episode today. Remember, uh, you can always download them on Android or Anchor FM on the web. All right, Jay, welcome back, sir. Thank you for joining us for the second half of the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Yeah. All right. Be back. Thanks, and, uh, Anchor. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as we were... Uh, talking I, I did ask you a question uh, a minute ago and, and you said no and uh, i just want to elaborate a little bit on that um i actually did you think that uh president biden was compromised by china um and the reason why i asked that is because there's there's a lot of evidence right now uh rising to the surface due to the hunter uh hunter biden laptop um any thoughts on that yeah sure so i i guess i should amend my answer do i if you're asking do i think right now there is proof that uh joe biden is compromised by china i would say uh proof no uh, are there stories that probably need to be checked out and if they proved to be true could he be compromised by china absolutely i i have no i think one difference between me and maybe a, a lot of political people and and frankly i i think the difference between the left and the right um, I don't, and I don't know how your experience was. Obviously, we kind of are parts of two different Democratic parties. I'm, I'm a registered Democrat, even though I'm not. Actually, I think I'm a registered Libertarian. Um, 
I, I think the party has shifted since you left and now with me. One thing that I notice about Democrats is that they aren't terribly loyal to their own people. Um, nobody's more critical in in of Joe Biden and of Kamala Harris. I, I mean, I think Kamala Harris might be more disliked among liberal conservatives, believe it or not. Like, for the most part, they they don't really like each other. So the the cool thing about that, and and I think that's healthy, and I, I wish more parties were like that. Is the cool thing about that is I can to take get back to your question, I can look at Joe Biden and I can say, yeah, that guy certainly could be corrupt. There's certainly plenty of evidence that his son was corrupt. I, I don't think there's any question his son did corrupt things. Uh, I don't care about the drug use stuff. I think that's silly to be putting those those things out just because we already knew he was a drug addict. We already knew he went through recovery. Uh, I've, I know a lot of drug addicts. I come from Utah. If we're honest, red states have drug problems a lot of times. Um, and so I, I don't want to demonize people who battle drug addiction. Um, and so I'd, I'd hate, I hate those videos when those come out. Cause I think it's just muddying the waters. It's, it's, tr it's kind of like the old, uh, marijuana scare. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're mean spirit. They're, they're trying to muddy the waters. They're saying like, Hey, look, this guy does drugs. So the next thing I tell you is probably true because he's a bad guy. And it's just like, I don't know. I know a lot of people who were hooked on drugs who are good people and who came out of drug rehab and are great people. Some of my best friends and people I look up to the most. Uh, I'll, I'll shout his name right now. I have a, a friend named Jordan. Jordan Jarvis um, has meant the world to me. And, and he was a drug addict and uh, he overcame it. And he's an incredibly powerful person in my life. So I just am careful with that. But that being said, business dealings, absolutely. Hunter Biden has dirty business dealings. And if you can tie them to his dad, you should prosecute. But I will also say the, the frustrating part of hearing this is that I just wonder why the same the people loudest about Hunter Biden never said anything about the business dealings of the Trumps. Never, never talked about that. Because I, I think that in the way that we connect Hunter Biden to China, we could also connect connect Ivanka Trump and by and by proxy her dad when he levied um, the tariffs on China, except for the items that his daughter sells out of China. Those got left out. He did her a favor. And so while I don't necessarily, I don't like that. I don't think it's a huge deal. It's not something I would harp upon. I just think that for me, not being tied to a candidate allows me to view things from a more uh, morally honest viewpoint where I can say, yeah, Joe Biden might be compromised. And then I can also say here, you know, here's some things I didn't like about Donald Trump. And then and then move on. But I think a lot of people who are in the America first movement, um, I, I think you guys have made Donald Trump to be made him out to be somebody that he's not. It's almost, uh, it's, it's almost as if you have turned him into, uh, the leader who is, who cannot be compromised. You can't say bad things about him. And if you look at his history as president, unless somebody said something bad about him and then came groveling back to him, he turned on them. If you say a bad thing about President Trump, he assassinates you in the media. And a lot of those things that he says aren't true. He will he will absolutely lie about people just because they said something mean about him. Um, I can't see where he's uh, he's he gets he gets off kind of like Scott free because, man, for the last six years, the media has tried to destroy Trump. And I, I don't think I, I don't think I said that. Uh, sorry, I meant from his 
the media hammers him. People like me hammer him. Uh, I'm saying the people who vote for him and who wear the MAGA gear and who attend his rallies and who are online regularly. I'm, I'm talking about the everyday person, not the media. Sorry. I'm talking about people. People will sit here all day and point out all the things wrong with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and they have no idea about the things that Trump did. And I just think that it causes this imbalance where you can't criticize Trump or you lose him. And then the and then they leave you behind. I honestly think that's how Trump won. You said yourself you weren't a Trump supporter at the beginning. You kind of but when it came down to him versus Hillary, you're like, all right, I'll vote for him. Well, that's how he did it. Trump wasn't polling high. But what Trump did through the Republican conventions, which was brilliant, honestly, he's, he's an incredible marketer. Um, he does this thing where he'll make an outlandish statement, but he forces you to choose his side or the other side. So he, for example, he doesn't say, oh, Jeb Bush uh, doesn't agree with me on this policy or Jeb Bush is um, not very persuasive. He says, low energy, lion Jeb Bush. Well, now that forces you as the voter to make a choice. Is Jeb Bush low energy and a liar? Or the opposite? And you're now forced to choose between Jeb Bush and Donald Trump. And you can see he did that through the through the RNC. He would go at one person at a time. He he put out he said that uh, Ted Cruz's dad was part of the JFK assassination. He called Ted Cruz's wife ugly. He just attacks, he would attack people, but the way that he attacks you is like the JFK assassination. This is what I saw. People would be like, I don't know about that. And then they found one article that kind of had his name. They're like, well, well, maybe. So I guess I'm on Trump's side. It's a divide and conquer strategy. And that's what he does. And and he, he did it to the point, then he's elected and he does the same thing. The Russia allegations, which we already agreed. He says, Russia, 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 it's all a hoax. But you and I have already agreed it wasn't a hoax it wasn't there were there were people that were involved it just didn't go directly to him but he doesn't say that he says it's all a hoax and that makes his followers say it's all a hoax which means they won't listen to any evidence against him it's why nobody will watch the january 6th committee hearings it's because you've all been told what to believe about them beforehand he's telling you this is what's going to happen beforehand and then when it happens he says oh it was all a hoax like when you hear Fox and you hear him talk about the hearings, it's never to say, oh, here's all the evidence they presented and here's our counteroffer. It's that lady, uh, she's not credible. That guy, he's not credible. There's no new stuff. This is all just trumped up charges. It's never anything specific. So that's, that's the strategy of Donald Trump. That's how he became so powerful. And it forces people to choose to either follow him and believe him or follow the other side. And that's a tricky position to be in when you are a conservative already, because the other side is the Democrats and you don't want to go there. So, so you think that the January 6th committee is a legit committee? What would make it not legitimate? Well, it's I, not, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's a committee, right? So what, it, what would it, make it? It's not legitimate. It's not bipartisan. The two. Okay. Republicans, so let's, so let's talk. So let's talk about that then. Like, why okay. is it not bipartisan? Well, the two candidates that are supposedly represent the Republican Party has never truly, and you have to be honest about this if you've done your research, has never truly represented the Republican Party in any way, shape, or form. Liz Cheney, how, how so? Liz Cheney is not even going to win her primary because she's been far left. Do you uh, think it's because she's far left, or do you think I, it's because she's been attacked by Don? Be, because I would contend that the reason she's going to lose is she 
is not falling in line with Donald Trump. Yeah, I have to disagree there. I, I think it's well, because. But what what does she do that's far left? What does she do that's far left? Have you seen her voting records? Yes. What 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 of her voting record is far left? Okay, so she has been for war ever since she's been in Congress. Would you agree with that? Uh, no. What 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 do you mean for war? Like, does she vote for, when we go to war? Does she vote for it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Every but, time. Even but so do, but so do all almost all Republicans do. Okay. So uh, that wouldn't be far. That wouldn't be far left. That would the left leftists would say Cheney leftists would be like Cheney is not like we don't. In fact, this is their criticism of her because they get upset. They say like she's not a hero. She's not a hero. She's just she's just being honest right now. Like. And we shouldn't give her this much credit. Their argument is, remember Liz Cheney, the war hawk? Remember Liz Cheney, the one who always votes to go to war with the Republicans? That's actually their argument. So I, would, I wouldn't say that saying that Liz Cheney votes to go for war makes her a lefty because most Republicans vote to go to war more so than the Democrats. Did you know that Liz Cheney from 2017 to 2021 voted 93% of the time with Donald Trump? Which is, one, which is one of the highest. Yep, I did know that. She's a, she's ahead of Mark Meadows. She's ahead of Jim Jordan. She's ahead of Mo Brooks. So to so this is my this is exactly what I'm talking about. But do when you, you you when you say she's not bipartisan, I think what you mean is she doesn't like Trump. Okay, so how come in her current race, and this is facts, yeah. uh, most of the money raised are from Democrats, Democrats. Uh, current and past Democrat senators and congressmen and women. Uh, I don't know if that stat is true or not, but even if let's, let's just assume that it is. Cause I, I've, I haven't seen that, but even on the assumption that it is all that, to, that could vary. Like when I, when I look at a, sorry, I, I backtrack so I can explain how I'm thinking. It just saves time in the end. When I look at if somebody may say, what's the most likely scenario now and the reason i do that is because lots of people have different ideas on why something might happen i am a big believer in pick the simplest reason why because it's far more likely than some convoluted reason my opinion is that people and and i myself would be included in this i am terrified of some of the people coming up through congress who seem to have a very national nationalistic or uh fascistic way of running and people like i live in arizona carrie lake is running for governor do you know what her campaign sign says what's that it doesn't say carrie lake i'm a conservative carrie lake protect the border carrie lake protect our guns it says carrie lake endorsed by donald trump and it has a picture of her and him she is only running on donald trump and election fraud because she knows that that is polarizing she knows that that's what the people want to hear i would argue that this is the most partisan and and again i'm not saying bipartisan i agree with you that this is a very partisan committee only republicans who worked directly with trump and have firsthand knowledge of what he was doing and saying have testified every except for two witnesses who were people 
that Trump lied about and put their lives in jeopardy. It's this two, it's this mother and her daughter that were, they were the ones that were accused of passing a flash drive around um, and, and cheating the election. And it really, it turned out it was just mints. They passed a mint to each other. It's something they do all the time. Her mom always carries mints and, and they got death threats from all over the world and all over the country. Those are the only two people that have testified. And the only thing they testified about was how they were treated. Every other single person who has testified worked for Trump, is a Republican, and all of them have said, we would vote for him again against Joe Biden. That is partisanship. That is all Trump's people. Those are the people that are testifying. So, what about Cassidy, so, Hutchinson? What about Cassidy Hutchinson? Okay, it's now you... Uh, most of Secret Services come out. Donald Trump wasn't even the in the vehicle that she said he. That's not true. So oh. what happened? Let me tell you the story that happened. She told her story, and then right wing media people put out a story that said there is a Secret Service person who is willing to testify on the record that this did not happen. They have never revealed that person. The January sixth committee said, "Come on in and testify." But we have three other Secret Service people now who have testified under oath with firsthand knowledge, one that was in the car, one that was out of the car, and one that was, uh, I don't remember where the other ones. There's three of them now who all confirm that story. The only people not on, uh, not on record under oath about that story are the anonymous source that claims that Donald Trump wasn't in the car. We don't even know who that source is. It's completely anonymous. They've refused to testify if they exist, which I don't think they do. And in fact, I, I could tell you, if I had a guess, I could tell you who I think that guy is, the head of the Secret Service. Do you know how many Secret Service, heads of the Secret Service have been uh, promoted into a political um, role? I don't. One. One ever. And it was the head of the Secret Service. Um, I'm trying to find his name. Uh, head of Secret Service. He wound up working with Trump after that's never happened before the secret service is supposed to be beholden to the office of the president not the president um and he go, he went and worked for trump so if if i had to guess i'd say it was that guy his name is robert uh engel e-n-g-e-l i think yeah i think that's who it is anyways the, none of that is corroborated and and this is all to tell you that like i love what you do because I, I love your podcast so much because it encourages people to seek. You, you say it all the time. You say, um, how do you say it? Like make up your own mind. What do you say? Do your own research. Uh, you say, do your own research. Yeah, I love that you say that all the time. The problem is here's how people do research for the most part. If I, let's say I have, I think blue cars are the best cars in the world. Like blue cars are the best cars in the world. And I want to prove it. I'm going to search. Why are blue cars the best cars in the world? And my search results are going to match kind of what I already believe. And then my algorithms on Facebook or Instagram or True Social, I don't, I don't think you said you did, I don't think you did Twitter, right? I'm trying to remember what you had, TikTok, True Social. They will show you opinions that are similar to yours. And so you just constantly are bombarded because people believe this, uh, there's a Russian propaganda tool where people just get flooded. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Something like, anyway, it's like a buffet of information. If you, if you send somebody a buffet of information, you say, look at all this information that confirms what you believe. They're like, okay, well, 
yeah, I believe it. And then for me, if I want to break that down, I say, okay, here's step one. That's not true. And you're like, yeah, but everything else is true. So just because one thing is wrong doesn't mean it's all wrong. And then I go to thing two and nobody ever gets to thing 100. So, uh, <laughs> wait, what were we talking about? Sorry, I got lost. Why was I saying that? <laughs> we're talking about Kathy Hutchinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. So when we, when you talk about like this, this secret service and this January 6th thing, what you're seeing probably on your end is you're seeing everybody who has negative things to say about January 6th and you're never seeing anybody challenge them on those opinions. So when you come to me and you say it's partisan and I say it's literally the opposite, it's only Republicans. Was that news? To you? Did you know that beforehand before I said that? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Did you know that only Republicans had testified? Uh, yes, I had. And and that they all said they would vote for Trump again. Yep. I did so not then know. Why? I did not okay. know. So why? Why, given that information? My my, I would contend that I think you're making that. I think that you think they're false because you don't want to believe that, and so you're saying, "Oh, well, there must be an explanation." I'm not really sure what it is right now, but there must be one. I, I would assume because you're not offering counter data that that's kind of where you're at. Am, am I close? Uh, no, I have, uh, you know, we haven't brought up Bobby Ingle yet. Uh, he, who said that he would testify in front of January 6th. I just said, I just said Bobby Ingle. I just brought Bobby Ingle. Right. I'm, I'm saying, I'm reading a, a recent report saying that he has asked to testify and as of January 18th, he has asked uh, the January 6th committee to testify and has not been allowed to yet. Um, I believe, let me, let me look um, where that was. I wish we had the links in front of each other. That would make this a lot easier. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the guy. This is who I'm talking about. This is Bobby Ingle. So <laughs> Bobby Ingle worked for Trump. He wasn't, he, he works for Trump. This is a man who literally gets his paychecks from Donald Trump. And he, and there's already three other people that have testified that this wasn't true. So even if he testified before Congress, and, and I didn't see what you talked about. I don't know why he hasn't testified. I, I'd have to look that up. But even then, why would his word, a man who works for the guy he's defending, like that, you wouldn't be allowed to testify like that wouldn't hold up in court very well compared to well, the other three people it, it, who not have a, no reason. Well, in a court hearing, if you want to go that route, there's no cross-examination. So this is not a court hearing. Well, this isn't a – yeah, you're right. You're right. There, but there is cross-examination in, in this. They're asking questions. And that's the other thing to remember about this. This isn't even a court hearing. This is literally a hearing meant for people to get the information. And the Republicans had an opportunity to put an equal number of Republicans – on and what they did is they specifically tried to put people on the committee who the committee was going to investigate you can't do you can't put jim jordan on this committee when he's part of the person like he's one of the people being investigated and then the republicans come out and say oh well we're not doing this because they won't make it be they won't let us choose who we put on there like in what world would the person being investigated be on the committee that, may, that makes no sense so so bottom line do you think anything's going to come of this January 6th committee? Yes. You do? Yes. <laughs> and what's that? Well, I mean, Steve Bannon just got charged with a crime, didn't he? 
Oh yeah, but he's going to appeal it. You know that was in Washington D.C. He didn't even he didn't even hold a defense. Do you know what his defense? He didn't have any defense. The his judge- only, it, literally his only defense was, well, they're only doing this because they don't like me. That's not a defense. Did you read the transcripts? The judge I wouldn't. Won't. He, they couldn't call the January 6th committee in and uh across of course you can't because what? he was because he was trying to get because his defense was they look here's the crime the crime is he defied a subpoena this is very simple the process if for defying a subpoena is easy if i get a subpoena and i would like to defy the subpoena i call my lawyer and i have my lawyer challenge the subpoena in court he didn't do that. And he knows that that's what he needed to do. He just ignored it. So then they said, hey, Steve Bannon, if you don't respond to our subpoena, we are going to charge you with not responding to the subpoena. And he's like, cool, didn't respond to the subpoena. He he's was guilty. Up- there, there's no other evidence. He didn't respond to the subpoena and he didn't fight it in court. This isn't partisan. He just, this is no different than you saying like going 75 and a 50 and the judge is like, well, why are we going 75 and 50? And you're like, this cop only pulled me over because he doesn't like me. And the judge is like, yeah, but you broke the law. And he's like, well, let me call in a bunch of people who will confirm that that guy doesn't like me. And the judge says, it doesn't matter. You were going 25 over the speed limit. You're guilty. You don't need to call those witnesses. See, the the problem is, is every time the defense for Trump is, oh, well, it was unfair. When when we talked in the opener, when I said I did my research on Donald Trump, like, when I did a research project, let me tell you about the history of Donald Trump. Every time he lost a public court case, he said it was rigged. The judge rigged it against me. In 2015 or 2016, yeah, 2015, when he lost the Wisconsin primary, he said it was rigged against him. When he lost, I, I think it was Iowa, he said it was rigged against him. Before the 2016 election, in the debates, when they said, will you accept the results of this election? He said, Mm, we'll have to see because I think it's rigged against me. And then all the way leading up to the election from 2016 to 2020, he told all of you, the only way I could possibly lose is if the election is stolen. That's the only way I could possibly lose is if they, if they cheat. And then Steve Bannon on audio in December, prior to January 6th, prior to all of this, he said, or it was prior. It wasn't in December. It was prior to election night. And you can find this. I can send it to you after Steve Bannon said election night's going to be crazy because if Trump at any point in the night is up in the polls, he's going to say, I won. There's no way I can lose. And then when the votes start coming in and the the mail-in votes and the stuff that we know is going to go to the Democrats, because historically that's where it goes, he's going to say it was stolen from me. Steve Bannon is on audio prior to November 6th or prior to November elections, saying exactly what Trump was going to do. And Trump did it. That's exactly what he did. This is not, this is not, this is what I'm so afraid of. And this is why I'm passionate about this because it's not about Donald Trump. It's about us. It's about you and I, and it's about everybody else in this country. It's about family relationships. The way we speak about each other has never been more polarized. Do you think, and I think I know the question, do you think I am a demonic Satanist? Uh, No, I don't think so. Okay, but when you speak about Democrats in general, do you use words like demonic and evil? Uh, Not Democrats in general, no. Well, like you 
on your podcast, you'll be like, the Democrats are evil, godless, demonic people. You'll say things like that. Uh, no, I don't think you'll find me saying that at all. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pull some. Something along those lines. Maybe not demonic, but no, generalize, I, generalizing. On I, your podcast, generally, when you speak about the left, or maybe you say the left, not Democrats. When you speak about the left and the <laughs> liberals, do you talk about them as if they are sensible people that just have a different view? Or do you talk about them as people with sinister motives? So first of all, I don't categorize them all people the same. And I'll talk about certain groups and certain individuals like the Bilderberg group. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about, though, like certain groups. I, that's why I was saying I don't know if it's like liberals it, or it might be like uh, not, people who are pro-choice or whatever. Right. Like certain right. little groups on the left. You're right. I should have worded that better. It, it's Bilderberg group. It's the people that uh, the only thing time I ever mentioned anything demonic was uh, talking about the uh, the Illuminati group and so forth. Uh, I don't say that about the entire left because they're on left and uh, they're so far from being demonic or anything of that nature. It's not even funny. So I wouldn't hurt their feelings for it. Um, but yeah, there are some groups out there that I think uh, that, uh, you know, they're, they're on the wrong side of good versus evil, I'd say. Sure. But I, and, not, and I, I think I, that's when categorized the whole democratic party or the whole left uh, at so that way. So I think that's maybe where like my my change happened, where BLM's a good example. Um, my opinion on BLM has changed a lot simply because I went to a BLM rally. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like it, it's interesting to me that the way that we talk about people like if we want to talk about January 6th and I'll, I'll compare January 6th and BLM because I think it's a good comparison. If you look at the January 6th attacks, something like 96 percent of the people uh, that were there were were not part of this plan right they were pawns i believe and and we'll see if that comes out but they were pawns to say like hey let's get after trump's speech let's get him down to the let's get him down the ellipse we're going to raise hell we're going to cause all this energy and these people are going to follow us into the capitol making us appear stronger than we really are so most of those people just they just showed up you've heard them interviewed they just they're like i love trump someone flew all the all over the country they're like i just love this guy we went down there he said let's go to the capitol so we're like yeah we'll go to the capitol and we followed and we didn't really understand what was going on. Then there's like 4% of the people. You got the Oath Keepers. You have the Proud Boys. You have the people uh, who actually planned. Those are the people that left before the end of the, the rally. They left hours before the rally ended. And they were already at the Capitol, right? So they're already at the Capitol. They're already yelling at the guards. They're all already like elevating the stress levels. They have, they've testified that outside of the city limits, they had weapons caches in case things got crazy and they had to go back and get their weapons. There was somebody that placed pipe bombs along the way. They're still investigating that. So there's this small group of people who were definitely there to try and, and cause a problem. And they knew, in my opinion, that these people coming behind them would appear to be with them and that they could use that force to push through. So the same thing has to be said with, with BLM. When I go to a BLM rally, First of all, a lot of the people are not black, like especially in Phoenix. We don't have a huge black population. These are just people who are literally there because they think their, their version and my version of black lives matter doesn't mean black lives matter. So your life doesn't matter. It's just saying black lives matter, too. And if you're a person who doesn't think black lives matter, too, this message is for you. You're not better than black people. It's not a message for the person who already thinks black people and white people are equal. Right. It's a message to certain people 
saying we matter and they march and they chant and then there's this outside influence of usually antifa or just straight up criminals who are like they see a crowd and they're like hey this is an opportunity for me to loot and riot i think the percentage is four percent on each side but the way that we generalize january 6th and the way that we generalize black lives matter as a movement we we don't recognize that these people are legitimately just expressing how they feel which is the greatest thing we can protect and by covering them with blanket like statements and saying blm is a terrorist organization which you hear all the time when you hear things like that it makes me scared it makes me afraid for our country and I, and it makes me afraid because if you look back in the history of of any movement and and i'll use the nazis just because everybody uses the nazis but not because i think anybody in this scenario is a nazi but what happened with the nazis is the nazis had hitler who was hated the jews he was racist but he didn't come out and say, I hate the Jews. Everybody follow me. Let's get them. He said, hey, our country is our country. And they took like all these leaders took our country for us. It's time that we we put Germany first. We got to be we got to be specific. Like it's all about us. We're nationalists and we're Christian nationalists. They were all Christian. Right. And then he transitioned. He said, you guys are Christian. But who who's opposing the Christians? It's the Jews. The Jews are overtaking our country. We got to stop Jews from coming into our country. And then he grew because these people were already with him. So he already had half the country. And then he's like, the Jews, they're the problem. And that puts people in a tricky situation because you might not hate the Jews, but you also don't want to be on the side of the Jews because you're about to lose. And, and then suddenly you have millions of people willing to exterminate the Jews all because they thought the Jews were evil, demonic, bad people trying to take over their country. It is my opinion that there are very few people who have ever tried to take over our country. I don't believe movements like LGBTQ or MAGA or BLM or America First are trying to take over the country. But I do believe that there is an element right now on the right of leaders who say they are trying to take over our country. They, BLM, the leftists, the evil, demonic, like these are the Marjorie Taylor Greens. These are the Donald Trumps. When Donald Trump is on stage last night saying our nation should have stop and frisk, that terrifies me. It terrifies me to think I could be walking down the street and a police officer for no reason could stop and frisk me. He can make up whatever reason he wants. Stop, frisk me. I am scared that we are losing our freedom. And I'm afraid that the people who are the loudest about freedom and say, we love freedom, we love America, have no idea that their freedoms are being stolen right out from under them and that they are supporting people who are trying to strip us of our freedoms. Now, I've always said that Black Lives Matters was a great concept, a great concept, but I agree with you. I think people have gotten into that group that uh, it went, it's completely, and I've talked to uh, people of all races uh, about Black Lives Matter, and uh, I actually have a guest coming on Saturday, and uh, she, uh, boy, she is, uh, she's really familiar with this group, and they, they have went astray. Now, you may be right, there may be a 4%, but the leaders of this movement, the people who are considered the leaders, um, they're not great people, my friend at all i agree with you i agree with you i also think that your leaders are very bad people but i i'm i'm concerned that you can recognize the four percent on their side but you can't recognize it on your side i'm very concerned about that 
I'm concerned that people think that Donald Trump is anything more than a con man. I, I, I see no evidence that that man has any respect for the truth, for the rule of law, for our constitution, for our rights, for our liberties. And I'm concerned that the loudest voices on the right are those of Christian nationalists and that those Christian nationalists want to force Christianity on us and force it into our law. The reversal of, of Roe v. Wade, which, which I'm okay with people disagreeing. Like I'm, I get it. I, I don't think there's ever a scenario where I would be take part in an abortion, but I recognize that that stems from my belief that babies come from, you know, or the babies have come from God, that like, that's, that's something that was sent by God. But I also have to accept that somebody else who doesn't believe in God might not believe that. And so it's, it's not my role to force that on people. I'm concerned that the people on the right are fighting for freedom with their words and allowing fascism to take over with their actions. Because if you allow your voice, if you allowed your voice and your views to dictate the masses, you're a fascist. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So th that's where, like, my view... Let me... Oh, I, got I, uh, I got one last question. I got one last question for you. And I was actually uh, uh, asked to ask you, but I don't think you're you're as far left as I thought you were before you came on the show, to be honest with you. But uh, do you know, sure. uh, can you give me your definition of uh, what is a woman? <laughs> um, no. And, and let, me, let me explain that. So I think this is a gotcha question, and I think you agree with me. Because I think you only will accept one of two answers. You'll either accept me saying biological, or I'm going to have to explain, like, how uh, a female and male aren't different. Uh, my view on, do you understand the difference between gender and sex? I do. What's the difference between gender and sex? When you, you say, say gender, gender, we're talking about a man or a woman. And when you, you say sex, uh, uh, wait a minute. Uh, no. I'm going to don't know the difference. I guess they should be the same. Great. Great. If you're talking about a sex person. Perfect. So, yeah. So this has been, this has been a new thing for me. And I think that, uh, I think that it's, I think it's difficult to understand. Sometimes it starts with this. It starts with this, again, this idea that, um, if your beliefs come from your religion, then those beliefs should not legislate unless everybody agrees like, yeah, this is what we believe. So for example, like a lot of people say thou shalt not kill. Right. So that that's a religious belief for some people, but for other people who aren't religious, they're like, no, we shouldn't kill. And everybody agrees like, oh, we shouldn't kill. Um, when you are talking about, when you're talking about gender pronouns, when you're talking about what is a man and what is a woman, it gets confusing. Um, and it gets confusing for a lot of reasons. And, and the main reason to me is that we're all different. Right. I was watching, if you watch ESPN, I was watching this dream team thing. There's, there's women that are seven feet tall, me more athletic. Those women would, would take on more traditional masculine roles, right? Like if you say, what is a man? A man, a man is strong. Uh, he's, he's bigger than a woman. Like he's a protector. Um, 
that that person is very different than me and vice versa there are men who are much smaller than me and might produce almost no testosterone and, and produce almost exclusively estrogen right and they might have very feminine characters now for that person who pr who produces a lot of estrogen has feminine characteristics or that would match more carefully to feminist feminism he looks around and he says i like these are really closer to my people than than these are like i'm not the big six foot ten guy like i'm not out there power lifting like i i might identify more with these people so he's saying like this is who i kind of want to be with and i want to let other people know that like this is how this is kind of my personality so so it's easier to talk to that person like if i if i meet a person who was assigned male at birth they have a penis if we can just be frank they have a penis and their whole life they were like hey i i I felt way more like a woman. I'm comfortable with women. And I met that person and he said, I'm trans now. I, I identify as a woman. To me, I would say like, oh, I get it. Like, oh, okay. So this like, you, you, this is kind of like your people. It helps me understand that person a little better. I would say it would help me understand like his point of view. Now, I don't see what the problem is with that. I don't know why that's a problem. Nobody's ever given me a good argument as for why it's a problem. I'm still open-minded on the, on the, gender pronoun things. I understand there's arguments of like, hey, this could go too far. But I think the slippery slope argument of it could go too far can literally be used on anything. It could be like, hey, like when shoes were invented, they'd be like, oh, well, we got shoes. And they're like, yeah, but if you have shoes, then you can put spikes on shoes and then people are going to start murdering each other with shoes. It's a slippery slope argument that doesn't make any sense to me. Like every argument you could use slippery slope. So to me, when I'm just saying like this person identifies this way, this is how they feel. I don't know why I don't know why I should oppose that. Like, I don't know. And again, it comes back to freedom. Like if you, I just think that person has the freedom to identify however they want. Now, do they have the freedom to tell me that if I don't call them that I go to jail? No, that's where we draw the line. There you go. Thank you. But, but, there, but there's never been a law proposed that said, if you misgender somebody, you go to jail. I've never, nobody's even ever proposed that law. It's so, a, it going jay it's going to get there they're even trying no, to get that's it. the slippery slope argument so you have to address the argument in front of you the argument in front of you is why can't that person just tell me how they like to identify what is that hurting the argument can't be down the road it hurts people because we've always done this as a as a community that's why we have a democracy because we decide where we draw the line so if you want to draw the line and i think you and i agree like identify how you want, but we draw the line when the government says, if you misgender someone, you're going to jail. You and I agree. Great. Boom. We draw the line right there. And that's the law. But I don't think most conservatives draw the line there. They say, no, you can't identify. There's only man and there's only woman. And that's, it's just a social, it's a social construct, right? The world's been around for millions of years. Humans have, have been around speaking English for, I don't know, thousands of years. We made up the word male and female. We just made that up. And we made it up thousands of years ago because we're like, all right, well, frankly, we a lot of us like we didn't wear a lot of clothes. So we're like, oh, what's the difference here? Okay, that that woman has breasts and a vagina, and that man has a penis. Uh, all the men have a penis. All the women have a. And we didn't have those words yet, so we're like, we're gonna call the ones with penises male and the ones with a vagina and breasts female. It was just a choice that we made. We just made up those words. So it's it's bizarre to me that arbitrarily we're like, no, it has to be that way. In we've evolved so much since then i don't see the problem with allowing somebody to say i'm this i have a lot of friends who i i talked this earlier i say mormon i still say mormon if you talk to a mormon and you say are you mormon many of them will say no 
I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They don't want to be associated with the name Mormon anymore. They don't want that. And if somebody says that to me, I say, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll refer to you as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In no way has that affected my freedom. In no way has that affected me at all. I'm just being a good person. And, and I, th I think that's what happens in our country. Like the fact that we're focusing on gender, the, like the, the stuff that we focus on as a country and we focus on gender, like we literally have inflation through the roof. We have all sorts of issues that we have to address as a country. We have infrastructure problems. We have supply chain pro problems. We have a problem where people can't fill jobs. Problems. And e almost every political show is talking about gender. Right. We've and lost we've lost it, man. We have lost our our moral compass. We've lost what matters and we get lost in these narratives, these long spun narratives about who's bad and who's good and what side we're on instead of just looking like you and I are having right now. This this is the kind of conversation that we need to have, because I honestly believe that 95 percent of people in this world or in this country agree on 95 percent of stuff. And the 5% of the stuff that we don't agree on really isn't that big of a deal, but our politicians and news organizations and Frank podcasters, they have to focus on that 5% or nobody would tune in. Nobody's going to listen to you. If you, if you're like, Hey, we all agree that we shouldn't murder children. Nobody's tuning into that podcast. You, ha we have to right. be so sensational and I, in how we do I things. Wanted, and I think that's what happened with gender. Go ahead. I want to. I want to throw one thing, like, and then we'll, we're going to have to uh, end the show here because we're running out of time. But uh, the words uh, male and female actually came from uh, chapter 1, uh, 27. Uh, yeah. I knew I read that in the Bible one. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, we didn't just make that up. That actually but who, wrote the Bible. who wrote the Bible? Uh, men, who wrote who the Bible. Were, men who were blessed with God's spirit back in the day. And how do they know what words to write? And we won't get it. God bless them. We won't. But how did they? Let me just explain. Because we're saying the same thing. How did they know what words to write? God gave the. How did they know the word male and female to write those words? God gave. So do you think. Revelated their. When they were blessed. They would write when they were. Did not write. That's Bible, my friend. Right, but. I understand what you're saying. So, Jay, what, what, what I'm what I'm saying is, oh, yeah. Let me let me just finish this real quick. Those people that wrote the Bible that were, if your beliefs are that they were that God told them what to write, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm not trying to argue religion. What I'm saying is, these people. This was six thousand years ago, right? The word male and female already existed. It's just the first. It's just in the Bible. Like, if they wrote a word, if they wrote male and female, and that was the first time that word had ever been heard. Don't you think they would have explained what male and female meant and that people would have been confused by that? That that social construct already existed. So I understand that it, it's your religious belief that God created a man and a woman or a male and a female. And that's OK. I'm 100 percent OK with you having that belief. I'm OK with you not thinking these other genders like were in the Bible. What you can't what I'm not OK with is you telling somebody else that your personal beliefs get to trump their ability to just be called what they want to be called. That's yeah, what issue. Not... So I don't really care what somebody's beliefs are. I don't care. Yeah. So that I think we're on the same page. That's all I was saying is I'm not trying to say the Bible didn't say it. I'm saying that 
at some point, people, once they learned how to talk, we had to make up words for things so that we could, you know, we had to say like, this is a foot, this is a hand, this is my head. We learned, like we made up words so we could talk to each other. Some of those words that we made up were male and female. And it, all I'm saying is it's a social construct. So your beliefs get to be yours. You can believe whatever you want. I, my only issue is when you step in and say, you the can't only, do this. The only and that's where, that's where that draw, it gets tricky. Yeah, I draw the line when they start bringing it into schools to kids that uh, who are impressionable. Anyway, I think that, you know, I've always, always believed that the parents and a child's up at home. Leave that stuff out of the schools. That's just my beliefs. But anyways, like I mentioned, we are running out of time. Uh, do you have any social medias where uh, you can be contacted on or followed on, Jay? Uh, for the audience? Yeah, sure. So you can follow me on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter, it's at RTP Bets. Um, my, my day job, I'm actually a professional sports better. Um, so, but I talk a lot of politics on there. I don't actually post a lot about sports betting. Uh, same thing on Instagram at RTP Bets. If anybody wants to talk to me about sports betting, you're, you're, uh, I'm, I love talking about it, but you can follow me on there. And uh, we actually, I've, I've been on a number of podcasts. We'll be, um, I know you're going to share the audio with me. So I'll also have these up within the next month of just, just my guest appearances on some on some podcasts. So we'll we'll provide those unedited just like you are. So it'll be good. Fantastic. And once again, I do want to thank you for coming on. And uh, I, I think that we've just I think we've had a really good conversation. I do think that we do have more to talk about. So maybe we'll invite you back real soon if you're willing. Uh, but I really enjoyed having you on, Jay. And uh, uh, once again, you know, I hope that uh, you have a uh, a great day. I didn't know you were sports better. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I really, I really, I really appreciate you letting me uh, piggyback on your platform. I, I think you're a, a wonderful person. All, all my interactions with you have been great. And uh, I think you're a reasonable, kind, good hearted person. And I, of all the conversations I've had, of all the times I've been on podcasts, this has been one of the, one of the best for me. Just I know I talked a lot, but uh, it shows a lot about you that you let me talk a lot. So thank you yeah. so much for, for letting me use your platform. Yes, sir. Uh, and I appreciate that as well, uh, your kind words. All right. So you've been listening to the Red Pill Current News Podcast. Be sure to uh, check us out on all platforms, including Amazon Music. And hey, guys, we will see you next time. We have a, uh, a young lady coming on uh, Saturday. She, is, uh, she knows all about the Black Lives Matter. She was actually there. Uh, was a former Obama supporter, and uh, boy, she has a story. Uh, so be sure to tune in for that. As for now, God bless and God bless America. Thank you so much.